Sports Pan lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along this Wednesday afternoon. Joined per usual by John Michael Hofling of ABC10. Kind enough to lend us his time. What's up, Mike? Uh, not much, not much. Just got back from Gladstone talking to Andy Ballinger. I'm still not over them taking mm. down the 20-0 and Menominee Maroons. No so, one is. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. Kind of the shot of the year. So that's going to be airing at 5.30 and 6 tonight. Just a little uh, interview with her and her head coach and what was going down on that play, what everybody was thinking, and how they're going to take on Kingsford tonight. I would love to know that. I'm, I'm excited to tune into that and hear how that went because I'd love to know what the thought process was and have them take me through the final play. You know, I'd probably do if I wanted to, but you did all the work for me anyway. Oh, I, I could have called him up and I could have asked him all that, but since you did all the work, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune in tonight <laughs> here at ABC 10. I appreciate it. We have got a lot to get to over the course of the next hour or so. The Knicks continue to be a dumpster fire Major League Baseball is assigning a task force to deal with the coronavirus. Everyone has a task force to deal with this. Did you notice that? Major League Baseball, the vice president, uh, the NBA kind of has one. You see where the NBA is saying, don't shake hands with people anymore, do a fist bump? C.J. McCollum's going all out, man. Yeah, C.J. McCollum's that guy where if it's flu season, he's wearing a hazmat suit to class. It's like that scene in Space Jam where the Lakers didn't take the floor. Remember Vladi Divac? Oh yeah, Vladdy yeah, yeah. D- his one line in the movie Space Jam as a member of the Lakers back then was talking about how they weren't going to take the floor because they thought there was an illness going around. You know, CJ McCollum is that. You know what's funny? I've never seen Space Jam. That's right. That's right. I uh, I remember we had that out when you first got here, but man, that was over a year ago. Still now. Come on, Mike. It's not one of those movies I feel like I have to see. You kind of do. Every- you should have got my reference just now with Vladdy Divac. I mean, I know who Vladdy Divac is. Yeah, but you didn't see the the part in Space Jam. No, no, I did not. No, and they were wearing hazmat suits out in the hallway like the Lakers players were because they didn't want to go in the locker room because they thought the sickness was in there. And even though it wasn't a sickness, it was aliens. Everybody tells me that it's not a good movie. It just has a lot of nostalgia. That's what I hear about it, which is why I don't want to go see it. Well, they're it. wrong. Okay. I'm telling you they're wrong. Okay. And I'm never wrong, as the listeners will be the first to tell you. I I know. You told me several (laughs) times, and I mean, you haven't proven to be wrong at any point this year. I tell you what, everyone's got their task force to deal with this. I need a task force. Like, I need to start my own task force here at ESPN-UP. For the coronavirus? Yep, I feel left out. I feel left out if I don't have a task force because everyone else has one. So, okay, a task force. So that means a group of specialized individuals to help take it down? No, we don't have any of those. So uh, <laughs> so it's basically going to be me and Jim just washing our hands quite a bit here. Jim's our PD across the hall doing his work. Tom is gone for the week. So he's Yeah, he's, he's doing his job, uh, you know, by not being here and spreading corona mm-hmm. he's uh he's doing work related stuff downstate either way but uh so yeah jim and me that's our esp and up coronavirus task force special operations How about that? Right there, yeah. i mean there is a lot of smarts between that group uh, you know, i tell you what I, I don't say that facetiously jim is a smart guy knows the history about everything that goes on here in marquette hmm. i mean if you ever have questions about the city or its history jim's the guy jim is the guy Either or, uh, I don't have that kind of a task force. Maybe, maybe, maybe later. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, Major League Baseball does have one now, and the NBA is continuing theirs. I did want to ask you about that. Did, have you seen that? Like you know, because they're not doing handshakes anymore; they're doing fist bumps generally. I did that a little bit last week before I knew the NBA was doing. Because last week I was dealing with a bit of the flu bug, and I was over it i thought when i got back to it but just to be safe i didn't shake people's hands i was you know giving them fist bumps and everything i didn't know that was actually something that it was mandated because it actually can 
affect uh, someone staying healthy or not or not getting sick. I mean, I did it as a precaution, but I didn't know if it was actually effective. Apparently it is. Yeah, I mean, a fist bump is very minimal contact. It's one little tap and then you're done, right? And then plus that's only on the knuckles, which mm-hmm. I guess would be like, if you're talking about the dirtiest parts of the hand, no, definitely the palm and like the insides mm-hmm. of the fingers, right? So I guess the fist is pretty clean, the knuckles pretty clean. But uh, yeah, shaking a hand, man. That's a full commitment right there. People become blood brothers like that. Are that you is... a handshake guy or a fist bump guy? Oh, I shook four hands just today. So, yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm absolutely. sure. Yeah, I mean, you've been busy doing I mean, work yeah, and what be, have you. Being in news, yeah, you got to be professional. So shaking it, you got me saying you got to be professional. But, yeah, you got to shake hands, man. A sidebar, I haven't shaken anyone's hands today, but I was last night. I'm, I feel a little triumphant here, Michael. I'm feeling like... I don't need to be taken down a few pegs, but man, I I was kind of, uh, I was sharp last night, we'll say that. Um, So this is the story here, and this was a weird experience I had last night at the Veerling here in Marquette. You know, I didn't have a game going on, it was an off night for me, those have been very rare here over the last four months, which, you know, that's part of the job and I love it, I really do. But I I like my off nights too, so I decide, you know what, I've been working hard, I'm going to treat myself to an IPA at the Veerling, and I love the Veerling IPAs. I mean, it's one of my favorite things in the world. So while I'm there, there is uh it's you know, it's kind of a full bar, and the guy sitting next to me didn't talk all night. He uh he clearly had a little too much and uh broke a wine glass and he is he's being very curt with the bartender. And you know, I'm friends with a lot of people there, so I, I'm like dude you could you like lighten up a little bit you know and i i didn't know if you know it was my business or anything so then he's finally ready to leave and the bartender gives him his bill and he doesn't like it he asked for a discount because he says something was cold like the fish was cold even though he ordered it with a hot sauce on top of it uh he he broke a wine glass but didn't factor that into or didn't think that should apply to him um, and he's just asking for a bill and asking to speak to the manager and everything like that. And I'm not going to make an accusation against this guy. I'm just reporting what I heard because, uh, I'm, I'm asking the bartender afterwards. I'm like, why are you letting him treat you like that? And she's like, well, he claimed that he was a food critic from the mining journal, the newspaper in town, and that he was going to write us a bad review. And I tried to do my best to make him happy, so I took 50% off his bill. Now, I'm not accusing him of that. That's just what was said to me. So I'm like, oh, really? I know somebody at the mining journal. So I texted him like, hey, do you have anybody? Oh, and here's the other thing. If you're going to scam people, don't pay with your credit card. Pay with cash because <laughs> his name was on the bill. So I'm like, do you have this guy's name, which I'm not going to give out over air because he seems like the kind of guy who would sue and it'd be like a defamation lawsuit I don't really want to go through. And I'm texting him this uh, over at the Mining Journal. I'm like, do you have this guy? Is he a legit food critic for you? No. They've never heard of them. And the Mining Journal called me today. And I told him what I knew. I wasn't making accusations. I was just saying, you know, what was told to me. So basically, there's this dude going around scamming restaurants by posing to be a food critic at the Mining Journal. And he, if he doesn't get like a discount or something on his bill, then he threatens to leave a really bad review. Has he been doing this at other places? I don't know. This is the first oh, okay. I've never seen this guy before, and so I don't know if I don't know if I can say his name out on air. I, I'm not gonna risk it. Uh, I do believe the Mining Journal's putting something in their paper about it. I don't know if they're gonna print his name or not, but uh, yeah, if there's a guy going around saying he critiques food for the Mining Journal and he wants free or discounted food, it's 
probably probably not true. It's like that episode of SpongeBob. A little bit that health Where that inspector guy episode. Fakes to be the health inspector. Yes, yeah, yeah the fake health inspector. It's basically like that, except he's apparently a food critic. I mean, all he was was critical last night. He was <laughs> he was a jerk. And uh, shoot, I don't I don't know. I I would think that's criminal. I think that's something no, that that's you could press criminal. charges that, for. That's yeah, that's stealing. You you under false pretenses basically force them to give you money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, or, or discounted food in this sense, and he's stupid enough to pay with a card, not with cash. I've thought that before. I've been like, if you're ever going to wrong somebody, do it with cash. Yeah, but you'd never do that. I would never do that, but I have thought it before. So, wow. <laughs> I mean, we all have those thoughts, right? You obviously thought it because you brought it up. I, I, I stopped it. I put a stop to I it, man. I did, my, I did my good deed. You've had that thought where you were like, if. I'm, never, I'm not saying I would, but if. If. you got to do it with cash. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. That's I mean, what I'm, saying. I'm just saying, don't leave a paper trail. You know, a, a figurative paper trail. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. this, in this case, <laughs> you would rather leave a literal paper, paper trail, trail because yeah. you know you want to pay with money, not something that can be traced back to you, like a credit card that has your name on the bill. But what if it's a fake name? Uh, maybe he stole it. What if he's living like eight different lives? It's. I, I guess I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I mean, he pretended to be a food critic. <laughs> Isn't it that's, Restaurant that's, Week in town, too, or something? Gutsy. I'm not sure. I, I feel like it is. So I feel like this guy's like hitting a restaurant every night or something. Like, I don't know. I'm not accusing him. I'm just speculating here. What if that's what he's doing? He's like, every night he's going to a new restaurant, pretending to be a food critic at the Mining Journal so he can get free or discounted food. Well, hopefully the Mining Journal prints something and they'll be on the lookout for him. Well, here, we're doing our due diligence. If somebody says that and they represent the Mining Journal, and they're being rude about it while they're doing that, uh, that doesn't reflect the Mining Journal. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my plug for them. Nice. They're good people over there. Yeah. I tell you what, though. So uh, I put a stop to that. I did my civic duty, what have you. And I'd like to think I made Marquette a little better place. That's good. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good story, wasn't it, Mike? That was. That was better you're, than our... You're a good storyteller. I appreciate that. That's why I went to radio. It's better than our attempt at a coronavirus task force. Oh, yes. Yeah, that wasn't very good. Me and Jim, that's <laughs> kind of the dream team, but uh, you know what? You know what's a task force we do need to put together? This just came to me. Uh, our dodgeball team. Oh, yes. We need to put together... Okay, if you didn't know this, there is a dodgeball tournament at Bothwell Middle School here in about 10 days. Uh, Michael and I have been kicking around the idea of putting together a dream team. We're going to have a dodgeball task force and just dominate this tournament that uh, we have commercials running for in this station throughout the day. If there's any really good dodgeball athletes out there, just be warned. If you decide to go in this tournament, we're going to be there and we're going to take you down. I, I think if we put together a power rankings of the teams that are in this, I'm automatically putting us at the top. We don't even know our other five players. I know, even though we only have two <laughs> players on this team. I, I, that, that's, hey, it's, it's enough, man. Is Tyree in? Did you get the chance to ask Tyree? Tyree and Donnie both said they weren't sure yet. Why? What are they not sure about? Donnie says he might be going on a date, and Tyree's Tyree. Are you kidding me? No, I'm being serious. Donnie's going to blow us off for a date? Hey, got to do what he got to do. Tell him to bring her. She can be that's what I said. That's team, actually yeah. what I said. I said, you know what? You know what? We're looking for more players. You should, you should bring her. And he, he just sort of laughed it off. Didn't say no, though. <laughs> I mean, as Jim and Tom, I don't think they're go for it. We asked a couple other people, but I mean, no. they all said that they were going to be gone that weekend. We have to, like, prep for this in a sense of, like, we're going to call practices after work. We are going to watch the movie Dodgeball the night before, team bonding, team building, what have you. I agree. That's going to be 
we're, we're, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to dominate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did a thing in high school. I was part of a dodgeball team. So every year my high school had a uh, dodgeball tournament. Mm. And every year, of course, I was a part of the water polo team, and we were great friends. So we decided to build a team. And we had a couple really, 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 really good athletes. And as water polo players, we tend to have really good arms. We also had a Division One bound pitcher on our team. We that also, helps. Yeah, yeah. So that also helped. And every single year that we did the dodgeball tournament, we came second place. Every year? Every single year. We never won. We beat teams that we lost to in previous years, but we never won. We <laughs> lost in the championship every single year. So I have a vendetta to get a championship in dodgeball. With a Division One pitcher and all you water polo players, you still couldn't bring home the gold. No, we couldn't. We couldn't do it. We had, yeah, the Division One pitcher, who is also ambidextrous. He is a double-handed pitcher. Is that so he can right? with both hands, yeah. Kind of like Pat Venditti a few years ago? Pat Venditti, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Pat. So, yeah, we had him, and then we had... Uh, I, I probably had, like, the fourth best arm on that team. And then, yeah, so... I was really good at dodging, though. That's the, that's the key. You never go for the catches unless you're absolutely confident. you got to have a good hand. Okay, yeah. we need somebody who played wide out, then. Well, a big we, tight end. Tyreek Tyre played running back. But, oh, that doesn't have his hands of stone. Right? I know, right? Well, you saw it firsthand. Yes, I did. I said, <laughs> we, we played touch football together, flag football flag together. Flag football, yeah, uh, yeah Tyreek is hands of stone. He's fast. Donnie's got good hands, but he might, might not be joining us. He, he'll join us. There's no way we're going to let him get out of this. Okay. It's going to happen. We're putting together a dream team. Task Force. Dodgeball Task Force. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk with Matt Mackerzak, Northern Michigan men's basketball head coach. His team pulling off a major upset last night that we, as professionals, take 13 minutes to get to. Uh, that interview and more coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. Joined by John Michael Hofling here in studio. And now joined on the ESPN-UP phone line by Matt Mackerzak, Northern Michigan men's basketball head coach. His team pulling off the win in the first round of the GLIAC tournament last night, 70-69 to at top seed at Ferris State. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations. The Bulldogs ranked 11th in the country, but your team played right with them the last time and had a shot there at the end. How much confidence did that give you as you pull off the upset? last night yeah i think i think we had quite a bit of confidence um heading into the game um just with not just playing them close at ferris but also you know some of our earlier wins beating tech on the road beating uh grand valley on the road and um we've proven we can play with the best teams in the league and um i think that gave us a little more confidence than maybe a typical uh eight seed would have going into the one seed Earlier this year, you guys have been able to take down or at least battle with a lot of the top teams in the GLIAC, Michigan Tech, Ferris State, as Tanner just said. So what was it about this team that was able to just handle or step up to the occasion when it came to those higher-ranked teams, even though you guys were lower in the standings? Yeah, I, it's, been, it's been at times frustrating, to be honest with you, just because when we played the four best teams in the league, we're 5-4 and four against. Um, so we played the top teams as well as anybody. Um, and it's been frustrating that we haven't been able to consistently do it against, you know, some of the teams lower in the standings. Um, but at the same time, the, the one thing about this group is they're not afraid. Um, with the seniors and, and the older, more experienced players, um, they really play fearlessly, and they, they're tough. And we always play hard. Even when we're not playing well, we always play hard. And we've done a pretty good job this year about just kind of 
coming after teams, whether whether it's the best team or not the best team. We we don't really play um, any different, and so in that regard, it's been it's been kind of fun because when we play these best teams, it just seems like we we make a few more plays and kind of the style we play. I think you know it slows the game down and. They have to play a little bit differently than they're used to playing, and um, so it's been really fun to coach. and And our, our older kids have done a great job this year. Matt, did you feel like going into that game that you had something special brewing, or at what point did the guys start to realize it start to click for them? Hey, we're running with these guys. We we can do this. We can make it something special. Um, you know, I, I did early on when I when I thought we might play Ferris. I really felt confident, and then when Miles Howard got hurt in the Tech game. Um, it took a lot of the wind out of, I think, everyone's sails. And there was definitely some, you know, you lose your best player, and we were already down one of our best big guys. And I think there was a lot of question marks heading into it. And we did kind of a, we did a zone defense we'd never done before, um, and it's a really kind of uncommon, unorthodox defense. And we figured we'd try something, because I, I thought we needed something odd just to give us a mental um, edge going into the game where at least we were trying something and then early on it didn't work very well and we got behind 12 and um, I, uh, afterwards we all were kind of laughing because we're all thinking uh oh this might be this might be ugly and um, it just kind of we just made a few plays and at halftime I think we were down five and we went into half and it was like oh we're hanging in there can we just keep hanging in there for a few more minutes and then I thought coming out of the second half once we kind of were matching them blow for blow, uh, that's kind of when it first hit me, like, we're actually in this thing, like, we might win it. And uh, it was it was one of those things, I think, once we got even with them for the second half, um, and we were kind of trading leads in the second half, I think it, it hit them that they might lose. And I thought that helped us, too. I think Ferris um, played, you know, they didn't play bad, but I thought they were kind of tight going, like, oh, we can't lose this one, because they were playing for... Um, home playoff games in the national tournament and um, it came down to like any other game who could make more plays on the stretch and we were able to just make a few more than them. Speaking of Miles Howard getting hurt and having to use more big men, Ben Wolf really stepped up in this game leading your team in three pointers, leading your team in rebounds, leading your team in points. So what can you say about that next man up mentality that Ben Wolf really showed and how do you plan on using him throughout the rest of these GLIAC playoffs? Yeah, he's been, uh, it was great to see Ben have that game. I mean, he came into the year as a freshman and our third string center in a lot of ways behind Miles and Troy. And um, obviously as the years progress, he's, he's been better and better. And last night was just a great a great game from him. Um, he's kind of the key. Without having Miles, um, it, it just changes his role because he's really our only guy. Our, our second tallest player right now is about 6'4". So he's the only guy taller than 6'4 on our whole roster. Um, so we need him to be really, really good, and he delivered last night. The, the really fun part is he's a freshman, and freshman big guys traditionally um, you know, aren't they, they struggle because the big guy spot uh, at this level, it's usually 22- and 23-year-old grown men who physically have developed a lot, uh, been in the weight room for four years in college. So it's really fun to see a freshman big guy have the level of success he's having. Um, and it's a great, it's a great sign for the future, not for our team and for his career. So it, it was kind of fun to watch last night, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come, uh, not just for the rest of the playoffs, but for the next four years. 
And with him being the tallest person on your team, how does that enable your offense with his three-point shooting? Does that open it up at all? For sure. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of how we want to play. We want to play that kind of modern um, space basketball on the offensive end where everybody can shoot and hopefully it frees up some driving lanes. And um, last night we only made five threes, and he made four of them. I do think when your center is making threes, it allows us to get those drives downhill and get to the free throw line more because we have them so spaced out. And um, in a lot of ways, Ben's kind of the perfect modern center that you're seeing at at, at the NBA level and uh, at a lot of the big colleges as well where he can protect the rim really well um, on the defensive side. And then on offense, he can stretch out to the three-point line and finish inside. So um, he is kind of, a, in a lot of ways, he's kind of my ideal version of a center. And um, I didn't recruit him. He'd redshirted uh, last year under the previous staff, but it, it was a match made in heaven for me uh, getting to coach him because he's exactly what we look for out of bigs. Coach, you feel like you've been in playoff mode already for a couple of weeks now. You knew that you'd have to win some games here down the stretch against some really good teams to get into the tournament. Now that you're in it, do you feel like that paid off for you last night? Um, I th- Definitely. After Lake State, because um, we we been playing really really well and we had a tough two-game stretch where we lost to Purdue at home and then we lost at Lake State and to finish the year out we had Ferris, uh, Grand Valley, Davenport, and Tech so the four best teams and we looked at it and said we probably have to go two and two against you know the four best teams in order to make the playoffs. Uh, we ended up going one and three and it squeaked us in. Um, we got fortunate with some breaks on, on other stuff but it felt like every game we were kind of playing for our our season, those last four, against really good teams. And we'd uh, lost the Ferris by three where we had a shot at the buzzer to tie it. And then we played Grand Valley and we lost in double overtime. And, um, there's a foul call with .2 seconds to go in regulation. That one really, really hurt. And then we win in overtime against Davenport, um, which ended up getting us in. So we had three games in a row that were, you know, hard stoppers, and we'd only won one of those. Um, and I felt like playing in those three games – uh, really had us ready, and then Tech, when Miles went down, you know, whatever happened, we just weren't very good and ended up losing by 30. They shot out of their minds. In some ways, I think that helped us, too, because uh, we played three games in a row really, really well, and um, it, losing to Tech was a bad game. So I afterwards, I said, guys, we're in, and if we can play three games really, really well again, we've proven we did it. We did it with Ferris, and we did it with Grand Valley, and we did it with Davenport. Um, if we can play three games well again and a couple breaks go our way at the end, we can win three in a row. And if we do that, we're in the NCAA tournament. So um, I think it really set us up well heading into the tournament because we'd almost just been through that same schedule in a lot of ways. Well, Coach, now you've got Northwood in the semifinals on Saturday. You fell to them twice this year, but both were really good games. Preview round three for us. They're, uh, they're defensively really, really good. Um, probably the best defensive team in our league. Uh, they don't shoot it great from outside, uh, but the last time we played there, they knocked down some shots. Um, I'm excited to get them on a neutral floor. That's one of the kind of benefits is um, not only do we get to play them, and we don't have to go play the two or three seed, we get the four seed, but we also get them at Grand Valley, um, and we won at Grand Valley previously, so hopefully that kind of carries over and, and uh, we can continue to play well there. Uh, I, I'm excited to play Northwood again. I thought the first time we played them was our first game of the year in conference play. and We went 3-23 from 3 at home, and uh, we just didn't have it that night. So 
Uh, it's definitely one of those teams that I think if you could ask one team that we wanted another chance at, it would probably be Northwood just because we went 0-2 against them, and um, you don't like losing twice to anyone. Coach, one of the sayings in sports is, after a huge emotional win, that's the time for a letdown because the players are all riding emotional highs, they're all feeling on top of the world, and it's tough to bring them down to that level and get them focused on the next goal. Does the team seem ready and focused to take on Northwood already? Yeah, I think so. I, I, one of the things is we've, we've been through so many of these kind of roller coaster emotional swings this year, um, up and down, that I think uh, because of that, we've maybe had a little more practice at, at, at it than other teams have. The other nice thing is we're... Uh, we're staying down here. So we, we played last night at Ferris, and um, we're going to play in Grand Valley. So we've just stayed down here, and so we're all together. Um, you know, we're doing some fun stuff like bowling today. And um, I think that helps a little bit because you're not, you're not going back to that environment where you're, you know, going to class. And we have spring break this week. So it all kind of folds in nicely where I think we can kind of stay focused on, on the trip. And the trip doesn't feel like a one-game trip anymore. Now it feels like it's it's this whole entity of the conference tournament. And um, I'm glad we have a few days. I think that'll help us too, where we have a few days to kind of refocus in and um, you know get ready to play a huge game in the semifinals. How do you spend the time when you're down there? Do a little team bonding activities, what have you? Yeah, so it's interesting because we have to actually take off today because um, the NCAA requires you have one off day in any calendar week. And since the semis are Saturday um, and the finals are Sunday, this had to be our off day. So uh, right now guys, the guys are eating at Applebee's and we're going to do some bowling, have, have some of the older kids pick teams, and we'll see if anyone's a good bowler. Uh, that should be fascinating. Um, and then we do a lot of eating. Uh, it's amazing what uh, 18 to 22-year-old male college athletes can eat in one day. Um, it's I've, I've, I've unfortunately gained about 15, 20 pounds this year yeah, on the road with them eating. So um, my, my postseason diet is going to have to wait for a few more days. and um, Hopefully we can keep pushing back that diet as long as possible. Who you got your money on for the best bowler on the team? Uh, I'm going to go Marcus Matelski. Mm. Um, it seems like shooters uh, and shooting and bowling seem related to me somehow. It's like golfing, bowling, and shooting. It seems like the same guys, and since he's our best shooter, he, he and he also has a body like a bowler. He he looks like the kind of guy grew up in small town Michigan. He's probably a ringer, so that's what I'm going. <laughs> with. He's got the bowler build. He's a little stockier, and um, he makes shots, so he probably knocks some pin down too. Coach, we're looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Let us know who wins it. Thanks again for joining us here. Yep, thanks for having me, and I'll, I'll make sure I tweet out the bowling results. Matt Mackerzak, Northern Michigan head coach, will take a timeout. We'll play Love It or Leave It next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Holfling with you. Glad that you're along this Wednesday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, Oh boy, we're off to a flying start. The Milwaukee Brewers have constructed a nine-year contract for star outfielder Christian Yelich. The deal will pay Yelich $215 million and includes a mutual option for 2029. They are a small market team that seizes their window. They're all about seizing their window. Oh, yeah. Which I'm happy about. Yeah, I mean, do you think their window... How, how open would you say their window is right now? Um, 
That's a good question. They don't have enough pitching. They don't. They really don't, but this is the first step. This is a good first step for them. Mm-hmm. Although, anytime you sign an athlete for nine years, I, I get a little worried about that. Uh, former NBA star Zach Randolph is back. Zebo. Really? Zebo is back in basketball, but in the big three. The oh. pro three-on-three league. Uh. What do you mean, oh? Eh. Zebo is back. You ever watch that three-on-three? Every now and again, I'll, no? I'll take a look. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, it's the same reason why the NHL overtimes are so fun. Sure. Because it's just constantly moving and it's very fast. And when you get those guys who are great athletes, yeah, it can be some of the best stuff to watch. Well, Zebo is not only back to pro basketball, he is now the captain of Team Trilogy, coached by Steven Jackson. That's a good name for a three-on-three team. Trilogy. I don't even know how many, how many of those team names I can come up with off the top of my head. You'd probably do Holy Trinity or something. You know me too well. I don't know how many of those names I could like in that league. I don't I don't even know if I could name another team there. Kind of the bar for myself. You know what's weird is when I'm I'll get to the last part of the update in a moment, but the bar that's you know if I'm trying to see how mentally sharp I am for the day, there are a few litmus tests I have for myself and the latest has become how many XFL head coaches can I name? Okay. Yeah, so Mark Tressman Pep Hamilton, I'm not looking, I'm not looking either. Uh, uh, Bob Stoops, uh, okay, this is how you know I'm not mentally sharp, because last time I got to five, uh, uh, what's his name, Winston Moss, um, so that's four. Uh, oh, uh, the guy who used to coach the Giants, uh, Kevin Gilbride. Ah. So, that's my five. There we go. Yeah. So, are you mentally sharp now? Mm. I'll let you be the not, judge. Not feeling it. My other litmus test is how many Canadian provinces I can name. Oh, that's a good one. Now, if I can think of, let's see, you think I can, should I do that now? I mean, I, you and I could probably get all of them together. Okay. I'm there's, pretty good with geography. There's Ontario. Yeah. There's BC. There's Yukon. Uh, there's Saskatchewan. There's Alberta. I think there's 13, so that's five. Well, there's Nova Scotia. There's Nova Scotia. There's Manitoba. Newfoundland, Manitoba. So we're up to eight. Uh, Northern Territories? Yep, the Northern yeah. Territories. That's nine. Did I say the Yukon already? Yeah, you said the Yukon. Okay. Um, that's nine. Prince Edward's Island. Is that a thing? I'm pretty sure that's a thing. It's is this really? It's the smallest province, I'm pretty sure. I'm not even sure if it's a province. I'm just wondering, no, no, no. is that a thing? It is a thing. It is a thing. Hold up. Okay, I'm gonna, now I'm he's gonna, breaking out the phone. I'm going to look it up because I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Prince Edward's Island? Is that Prince, what you said? Yeah. Prince Wait, Edward's Island. I'm going to look up the 11 provinces because I want to make I thought sure there were 13. Or, yeah, thir- uh, no, okay, well. I'm pretty sure there's 13. If I'm wrong on this, this is a terrible litmus test. <laughs> there are actually just 10. No. That's what it says. Well, we got nine of them, then. What's the one we're missing? The, okay, New Brunswick. That's it. Okay. Wouldn't have got it. Newfoundland and Labrador's name one, and yes, Prince Edward Island. Okay, so yeah, that's more than ten, though. There has to be more than ten, then. Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, and Labrador is one. Ontario, wait, 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 wait. Newfoundland and Newfoundland and what? And Labrador? And they're Labrador. the same thing. Well, it's the name of the province is just apparently Newfoundland and Labrador. And then there's Nova Scotia, Ontario, Prince Edward Island. Uh, Quebec and Saskatchewan. Oh, how did we forget Quebec? We said Quebec. Did we? Yeah. I didn't think we did. Yeah, we I didn't. Quebec. Maybe you did. Oh, I'm pretty sure we did. Oh. And finally, as we segue, <laughs> the amount of money that Mike Bloomberg spent on his failed presidential bid could have bought 55,617,352 six-packs of Upper Peninsula Ale. How about that? Did you do the math on that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. He spent a lot of money. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, he and broke those, all sorts of records. Yep, yep. And he called it quits earlier today, but it could have bought fifty-five million and change six packs of UPAs. It's like a movie that you just know is going to flop, but they just keep advertising in the hopes of making it something good. Like the sequels for everything. Yeah, like there's some bad sequels out. Like some Pacific movies, Rim Two. I've never seen the first one. Um, it's a good one. Uh, I liked it. The Naked Gun. They should have probably never made. Oh, any I liked. After I liked that. the entire trilogy. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Major League is probably the oh, ultimate that, one. They that's should a not. Bad there one. absolutely should have been no sequels to that because they were awful. Uh, Predator is probably one that didn't need a sequel. Um, Caddyshack. Caddyshack did not need a sequel. You know what's weird is a lot of people say Space Speed. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people say the movie Speed. Have you seen that with Sandra Bullock? And Keanu Reeves, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of people say that movie was good enough uh, the first time, and the second movie was one of the worst of all time, and that, that sequel shouldn't have been made. Weirdly enough, I like the second one more than the first. I'm convinced I'm the only hey, person in the world that feels that way. Hey, you know, no, no shame in that, man. Everybody has their weird opinions. For a lot of people, there are some people who like the prequel trilogy more than the original trilogy mm-hmm. for Star Wars. So it was know. a it's it's a thriller movie set on a cruise ship. Which for whatever reason, I tend to like those movies. I don't totally know why. Okay, and to me, so it was called Speed Two. Speed Two on a cruise ship. Yeah, but Keanu Reeves wasn't in it. Was Sandra Bullock in it? She was in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know who they replaced her. I don't remember off the top of my head. So was it just like this, the cruise ship needs to be maintaining a certain speed? Um, I think that it was like on a collision course with San Martin, uh, St. Martin, like a little island in the Caribbean. And uh, the captain was killed. The uh, transmission or whatever was cut out so they couldn't call for help. And uh, the, the gears or something, the engines or whatever were all tampered with so they couldn't be changed manually or something like that i haven't watched it in a few years so are you gonna watch it now again uh, yeah okay. i'm thinking i need to uh, i've got a game tonight so other than that <laughs> um let's play love it or leave it though as we do here in the sports pen we've got our resident hot taker here in the studio with us and uh tyree and i were having an argument yesterday because oh, no. i said we have i said he told me i have a whole bunch of hot takes and you i do? said i said i don't know one though that has turned out to be inaccurate <laughs> I don't know one. Have any of them been inaccurate? Um, we should go back and put together a compilation just to see how these age. <laughs> here, we'll, we got some compilations here, or at least we will have a compl- uh, comp- compilation. We'll do it that way. Um, love it or leave it here. Very simple, self-explanatory. I'll give Michael a take. He tells me, does he love that or is he going to leave it? We'll start with uh, our last guest. Northern Michigan will beat Northwood and advance to the GLIAC title game on Sunday. Love Love it. Leave it. Love it. They're hot. They are hot. You know, and they lost to Northwood twice. They played them well both times. Playing them on neutral floors, you heard Matt say? Mm -hmm. I I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's It's definitely possible. Absolutely possible. The NBA will have multiple playoff teams with a losing record. Leave it. And I'm saying leave it because I don't love it. It'll probably happen, but I hate it. Michael. Okay, so <laughs> so pass or yay or nay? It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Right now there are two, and the, the uh, take is, will there be multiple teams with a losing record that get into the playoffs? Right now the Nets are six under five hundred, and the Magic are seven. What about the what about the Grizzlies? Aren't they under five hundred? Uh, I think they're right around there. I'm not sure if they are. I think the Grizzlies are too. It could be. Could be a game or two maybe, but I know that the Nets are and the Magic are. Um 
keep moving on, though. Michigan State will win the Big Ten regular season title. Leave it. Leave it. I think Michigan State is more built for the actual tournament, the actual national tournament, March Madness, more so than the regular season tournament. So how is it that they're going to be uh, uh, denied, let's say that, the Big Ten regular season? Because they are tied with Maryland with one game to go. They have the tiebreaker over Maryland, and they have a reeling Ohio State team on Sunday. So does Michigan State lose to Ohio State? And Maryland wins. I guess that would be the only scenario. Yeah, that that's the only scenario. And just with the way the Michigan State has played, they are so inconsistent. But the, and the reason I think that they're going to do well in the tournament is because you take a look at what they were capable of doing, and you take a look at March Madness tournaments in the past. It's teams that you know are good. You know they have the tools to succeed, but just couldn't put it together in the regular season. They're the scariest ones when it comes to the when it comes to March Madness. They're the ones who sneak in as a six seed, an eight seed, and somehow make it all the way to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. So I think that that's more along the lines of where Michigan State is heading. I'd be more. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get it. And so you have Ohio State beating the Spartans on Sunday. It could happen, man. Yeah, I, I suppose it could. The Red Wings will not reach the fifty-point threshold this season. Right now, they have thirty-five with fourteen games left. So they would need to win. They would need to at least get fifteen points. Mm-hmm. So seven wins and an overtime loss. So yeah. if they play about five hundred hockey. The thing is, though, this team has been dreadful for most yeah, of the year. They have, they've they've played far short of five hundred. Yeah, hockey. They're, they're not playing five hundred hockey. No. So no, they're not reaching it. Last one I got here. Giannis will lead the NBA in double-doubles. Right now he's got 50. That's three ahead of Dom Sabonis and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You love that? Rebounding and point-scoring machine. Even on an off night, he still had 13 against the Heat. So I love it. Love it. Death, taxes, and Giannis double-double. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's the new Kevin Love, except Kevin Love could never shoot from the outside. Giannis can He's pretty. He's way better at three point shooting this year than he would. Have been. He, he's better than he gets credit for. Yeah, I'll say that. That's love it or leave it. As we play occasionally here in the sports pen, John Michael Hoefling in studio with me, Tanner Hoops. And there's not enough time to get into my next segment here before the break. So uh, these are what I call filler stories. That's not something that I should say on air that we do this, but this trick or whatever. Uh, we were talking about the coronavirus and the task forces and everything, or the lack thereof, especially here at ESPN UP. And uh, the Chicago, you see the Chicago State University, their men's basketball team is not going to travel to two games to Seattle and Utah Valley because they are scared of the coronavirus and the women aren't going to play two home games because of it. Isn't it crazy that the flu kills 50,000 people a year in the United States annually? And there are still people out there that just are like, "Eh, I'm not going to get my flu shot. It's all right. I didn't get mine. And now the coronavirus comes in, kills four people, and everybody's freaking out. I think it's up to six in America now. Oh, great, six. Yeah, that's too bad. It really is. Um, But no, the coronavirus is one of those things that I'm honestly not sure what it does. Like, I don't know the symptoms of coronavirus. I don't know. I've seen everything. There were were people that were saying it was creating signs of aggression, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) the zombie apocalypse. But then that turned out to be false, and then it was like, I don't know, you and I have just lived in this age where we've seen bird flu, swine flu, Ebola, everything Mm -hmm. has come and gone in this one, so I'm just not worried about it at this point. By the way, uh, before we hit the break, Tommy Tuberville might be a U.S. Senator. 
How about that? I mean, we know who cool. uh, who had some good wins on uh, Super Tuesday and who had some really bad losses. Tommy Tuberville is in the good wins category. <laughs> the former Auburn head football coach is running for Senate in Alabama. He's going up or he's uh, vying for the nomination to go up against Doug Jones and try to flip Alabama uh, back to the Republican Party. So he's going up against Jeff Sessions, who had the seat previously and then left after 20 years to become the Attorney General. And now that he's not in that position anymore, he is trying to save his political career. And he's in a runoff with a former football coach. I mean, Tommy Tuberville somehow made the transition from football, where he was a pretty good coach yeah. and won 159 games, to politician. And he did this after being an analyst three years ago. You have to think that that's so terrible for his opponent. Because, and not because, <laughs> not because he, he, he probably knows more when it comes to politics. I mean, he's been in his whole life. But just it's like you're trying to get your seat back. You're mm-hmm. trying to rework that campaign again. It's like you're going up against a living legend in the state <laughs> who like you probably know doesn't know as much but still just has, has everybody cheering for him because that's what you do with him. So that's unfortunate. But... You'll love to see it. Think if you're Jeff Sessions right now, you left for the AG job and you never should have because that turned out terribly for him. Now you're trying to get back into politics, a career politician fighting for his political life against a guy that was coaching football earlier this decade, or I should say now last decade, less than 10 years ago. He was coaching football, but like you said, he was so popular as a football coach. Did you know he's the only Auburn coach in school history to beat Alabama in consecutive years? That's kind of surprising to me, or at least it was surprising when I read that. Hmm. Tommy Tuberville could be in the U.S. Senate. How about it? That's cool. Tell you what, let's take our last time out. When we come back, the Knicks continue to be a dumpster fire, and they're burning hotter than ever. Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of our show, check out the podcast at ESPNUP.com or online with our app. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Speaking of which, that app and uh, online, AM and FM, what have you, will all be uh, your access to, uh, how am I trying to say this? It is your access to Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball tonight on ESPNUP. That's better. We stumbled through that, but we got there. Uh, District semifinal against Bark River Harris. Highlights are going to be on ABC 10, too, so check those out. absolutely. Yeah, Tyree's going to be getting that one. I'm going back to Rock tonight. I was just in Rock. I thought you were in Gladstone. Well, I was in Gladstone, but I had to go through Rock. Took the route through Rock. Okay. Um, Yeah, have fun in Rock tonight and uh, (laughs) lousy cell service out that way. Hey, no, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I've actually never been to Mid-Pen, so this will be a good one. Well, I tell you what, we've got... Uh, Westwood girls basketball tonight against Bark River Harris. Final home game of the season, uh, regardless of the outcome tonight. Should be a fun one. We'll have the call on ESPN-UP. 645 is the pregame. 7 o'clock is the tip-off. The New York Knicks continue to be one of the biggest dumpster, uh, dumpster fires in all of professional sports. Spike Lee, who is their super fan. Every team has got one. Every franchise has one of those super fans. And Spike Lee is that for the New York Knicks. He says he's no longer going to attend Knicks games, that he is not going to give James Dolan any more of his money because the Knicks, uh, I don't I don't think they banned him, but they uh, escorted him out of the stadium when he, uh, he used an employee entrance to get into Madison Square Garden rather than the VIP entrance. And he, uh, Spike Lee took offense to that 
and now he says he's no longer going to attend New York Knicks games. And, you know, part of that is uh, because of James Dolan. Part of that is because what happened with Charles Oakley being banned from the stadium. Say. Yep, And all that has come to a head, and now the Knicks are beefing with their most famous fan. Yeah, that's the Knicks. Yep. They can't do anything right. They really can't. No. I mean, no one knows about PR over there. I mean, did you see Did you see their statement, like the statement they put out? I think I'm going to make that my wallpaper, like on my phone. It is hilarious. It's so statement? poorly what, done. What did they put out? It was something like, the idea that we aren't allowing Spike Lee to attend our games is just, I don't know, they just went on and on. It was absurd. It might have been the word that they used. And uh, Spike Lee wanted to keep going in through an employee's entrance, and uh, the Knicks apparently had a problem with that. What's wrong with going through an employee entrance? I mean, they have bigger problems to worry about right now than what, how Spike Lee is getting into the stadium. Yeah, yeah. what the... All right. And, I'm and so here's confused. the thing. They, they have not made the postseason in, what is it, eight years now? I think 2012 might have been the last time. And they, they had confetti coming down when they won one series in 2012. Because they hadn't won one in so long. It is, it's ridiculous how poorly this franchise is run. And to show you what kind of problems they do have, they should be dealing with instead of beefing with Spike Lee. Let me read you this, Michael, if you want a good laugh. This is the New York Knicks all-decade team for the 2010s. <laughs> and this is just the most sad lineup. Carmelo's going to be in it. Carmelo's going to be in it. I mean, can you even think of who would be in that before I read this to you? Does let, me, let me think. Um, you got Carmelo. Mm-hmm. He's on it. You got probably Joe Kim Noah? Um, I don't believe so. Huh. Um, t- t- Brandon Knight, maybe? I don't think he's on here either. All right, go, go ahead. All right. Uh, starting with the head coach, Mike Woodson from 2011 to 2014. Piston fans will remember him. He was an assistant when the Pistons won the finals back in 2004. And the rest of us are going to remember him for being the coach that shaved his eyebrows because he wanted, quote, a fresh start. Ah, yes. So he does it by shaving his the eyebrows. The Gabe Kapler of the <laughs> NBA. <laughs> That's Mike Woodson. Uh, so Mike Woodson was the head coach of the Knicks All-Decade team from 20, uh, 2010 to 2019. At point guard, Raymond Felton. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse than Mike Woodson as your head coach. Shooting guard, J.R. Smith, oh, yes. <laughs> from 2011 to 2015, he like, was with them. I, I don't think that that's, like, J.R. wasn't a bad player. He just had bad moments. He had so a like, bad reputation. That's more of just a meme than a bad player. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. At small forward, Carmelo Anthony. All right, all right. Power forward, Kristaps Porzingis, who they promptly traded away for next to nothing. I forgot. You know, I, I immediately forgot that you, Porzingis you was on the You kind of forget that he was a Nick for a while. They, Wait, I'm surprised Jeremy Lin wasn't there. Jeremy Lin is on this list as an honorable mention after playing okay. for the Knicks for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks he was with the Knicks. And rounding out the starting lineup at center, Tyson Chandler. Okay, that's yeah. not that bad. I can respect that. Here's the second team, though, or as they call it, honorable mention. By the way, this was put together by SNY, their Knicks blog out of New York. They uh, This is their second team, and this is where it gets really, really cringeworthy. Um, you have Amari Stoudemire. He was there from 2010 to 2015. I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate that. Jeremy Lin, playing for two weeks with the Knicks. Love it. Was able to, to get on this team. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. He was a point guard. Pablo Prigioni, I think, might be how you say it. 
Okay, no I, idea who that is. I haven't even heard of him, to be honest with you. I have zero you. clue. But he's on the all-decade second team for the New York Knicks. Um, yeah, apparently he had like a three-year NBA career, spent it all with the Knicks, averaged 3.9 points a game, and got on all-decade for the Knicks. <laughs> Here's another guy I've never heard of, Steve Novak. Oh, I've heard of him. Have you? Yeah, but that's still really sad. Steve Novak, he shot 44.5% from behind the arc. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's all right. That's pretty good. Uh, the best pure shooter the Knicks have had over the last 10 years, the article says. Apparently he couldn't <laughs> do much much more than that. And uh, here's someone else I've never heard of. Lance Thomas. You ever yeah, heard of him? No. No. Nope. Uh, let's see. The description says, Thomas never put up big numbers, but he was a pivotal role player for the Knicks and brought some leadership qualities to the locker room. He averaged six points and 2.6 rebounds with the Knicks. That's so bad. <laughs> and he's on a decade. <laughs> That's so bad. When you, when you lead off your all-decade second team with, never put up big numbers. <laughs> That's how bad the Knicks have been and how big of problems they have besides uh, Spike Lee. Would you right rather now. be the Cleveland Browns or the New York Knicks? I, oh, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Um, boy, that is a toughie. What about you? I, I don't know if I can answer that. I'd rather be the Knicks just because you still have the whole New York thing going that's true. and whatnot, the garden going for you. Cleveland's got nothing. Well, the Knicks are still one of the most valuable franchises in all of sports, not just in basketball. And they do this by being terrible. I mean, imagine (laughs) if they were good. Yeah. Imagine the money that you would be able to make. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. So from the financial aspect, I think I'd rather be the Knicks instead of the Browns. Still, ah, man, that's that's a terrible would you rather. You should have made like a hot take or something like that. Like you should have came up with our love it or leave it's then. I mean, you're kind of the expert with stuff like that. I mean, a little bit. A little bit. I, I have a really hot take uh, about the NFL, if we still have time. We have time, in fact. I'm going to save the last seven so minutes to uh, give to you to talk about one of your favorite subjects. Yeah. So, guys, you take a look at the available running backs in free agency this year. Because that's what everyone wants to talk about. You know, I mean, it's what I want to talk about, okay? <laughs> um, you have Derrick Henry, right? He's great. He's great. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I'd take him over everybody else in this draft. Who would you take next, Tanner, of the available free agent running backs? Um, that's a good question. Free, free agents or draft class. Either one. Maybe. Go ahead. I, I don't think this is a great draft for running backs, to be honest. We have Jonathan you. Taylor. I probably would take Jonathan Taylor, but he's not even going to be a first rounder, I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, but let me tell you what, folks. I like that thing let, you sent me the other night. That, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for it right now. Uh, let me tell you what, folks. I'm going to give you the stats for four NFL running backs, okay? Four and, current. And it's a blind running back draw. Yeah, it's a blind We're not running back know draw. Who it is. Oh, there, there we go. There we go. There it is. Okay. And I picked the guy you want to be, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Because of his All stats. Right. Yeah. All right, folks, here we go. Player A, write this down because you ain't going to remember it. Player A, 4.6 yards per rush over his career. Well, let's keep that in mind. This is over their careers, mm-hmm. and every single one of these players has played at least 25 games and has never suffered a serious injury. Okay. So there's nothing like, you know, too short of a span. And they're all under They're all under 28. Okay. So, yeah, let's let's keep that in mind, okay? Player A, 4.6 yards per rush, 8.6 yards per reception, and .035 touchdowns per touch, meaning every t- meaning it takes him about 33 touches to get a touchdown. Okay. Okay? We understand that? Mm-hmm. All right. 
Player B, 4.7 yards per rush, 8.3 yards per reception, and .042 touchdowns per touch. So it takes about 25 touches for him to get a touchdown. Okay. All right. Player C, 4.8 yards per rush, 8.1 yards per reception, .037 touchdowns per touch. And then we have player D, 4.8 yards per rush, 10.6 yards per reception, and .0497 touchdowns per touch. Now, if you'll notice something right there, player D has is tied for the most yards per rush, is two yards greater in yards per reception, and has the best touchdowns per touch ratio, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Player D is a free agent running back this, this year. Mm-hmm. Player A is Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Player B is Christian McCaffrey. Player C is Saquon Barkley. And Tanner, I have told you who player D is before. Why don't you give it away to the crowd? The uh, player Michael's referring to is his new favorite running back, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler from the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly the Los, from the Los Angeles Chargers, who came in, had a 500 record when he was the starting back ahead of Melvin Gordon, and the team ended up 5-11 and when Melvin Gordon came back. Austin Eckler continues to succeed at absolutely everything he does. He is stellar beyond, behind the the uh, scr- line of scrimmage. He is incredible out of the backfield. The only problem is his size. He's not the best blocker, but he scores. He does incredible things. And I really, 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 really like Austin Eckler, and it's a shame nobody's talking about grabbing him. I think you were the only person in America who woke up today and said, I want to talk about Austin Eckler. I might be, but I wanted to talk about Austin Eckler. Nobody's giving this guy enough credit, man. Nobody is giving this guy enough credit. I saw a thing the other day. This is what made me want to talk about him, okay? I saw a thing the other day on NFL.com, and it was a list of the top like 20 available running backs, which is free agents or via the draft. Austin Eckler was number nine. And if I pull up this list right now, it's behind the likes of unproven guys like Jonathan Taylor. And there were like two other draftees who were unproven in the league. Melvin Gordon was ahead of Austin Eckler on this list. And that made me so upset. I I cannot even stress how upset that made me. I want to find this list because there were some other just atrocious names right now. I'm I'm, going to find this thing right now. So if... Uh, Eckler were to go to your favorite team, would you like that? Would you like I would it love the it. Niners? The only problem is the Niners already have five I, that, running that's backs. That's what I mean, and they're all pretty he's a better, cogs, he's, I should say. I mean, he, he's better. He's a better version of Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. because he's basically Jarek McKinnon, except he's better at rushing between the tackles and doesn't get hurt before the season starts every single year. Well, he's probably not as fast as Jarek the Jet. Probably not. But he but, can catch better. Yeah, he can absolutely catch better. He's probably just as good... Uh, oh, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde was ranked above. Oh, my. That's ridiculous. Kenyon, okay, Kenyon Drake, I can sort of see the argument. He, he might be all right. DeAndre Swift. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Mm. All of them are above this guy who has averaged more yards per carry in his career than Zeke. And Christian McCaffrey has averaged more yards per reception than any qualified running back and scores touchdowns like it's nobody's business. I personally didn't take a lot of stock into that touchdowns, like touchdowns per carry stat, because you could like do all the work and lead your team on a drive to get down there, but then they'll just like hand it well, off to the fullback. That, that's, and the, that's the one thing. When I was coming up with these stats, you know, you have yards per carry, you have uh, yards per reception, and 
those are sort of fair. Those are sort of fair for the most part. Mm. I think that Austin Eckler does get favored in that because, you know, splitting things with Melvin Gordon, uh, his legs are a little fresher. Mm. His legs, yeah. So I think that that does favor him a little bit. And then you have touchdowns per touch, which since Austin Eckler is not on the field as often as, Mel, uh, as often as these other guys who are consistently three down backs, I think that that has something to do with it too. But just trying to come up with three fair stats was really difficult because you can't do total yards because Austin Eckler gets half the things. But if we were to do total yards, how good is Christian McCaffrey at receiving? Here's a question I have for you. How good is Christian McCaffrey at receiving? Pretty darn good. For a running back, especially, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Christian McCaffrey led the NFL in offensive snaps outside of quarterbacks this year. Okay. He had over 1,000. He had 1,005 receiving yards. Austin Eckler played 631 snaps this year. Okay. Nobody talks about this. He finished with 995 receiving yards. Uh, you might have a case there. I mean, I, I, I see why you like him. 995. I know. I see why you like him. That's two less than Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the one-man band here, but I see why you like Austin Eckler. I love Austin Eckler. I know. I know you do. And I'm glad that we could uh, give you the platform to express it here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to make that a Monday Minute, but I couldn't. Like like I said, it's just really difficult to come up with three stats that are just fair. So I, could, I just decided to abandon it. And I was like, I still want to talk about it, though. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hofling with you. We are out of time. What do you have coming up at ABC 10, my man? Well, like I said, we, we have the Andy Ballinger uh, sots and from her coach and her as well concerning that. We have a bunch of great stuff coming up with uh, Weird. We're doing a thing with an indoor bike race. And, of course, we have the dodgeball tournament coming up, mm. which we're going to smack down anybody. Right, Tanner? Once we get our team together, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the dodgeball yeah, task force needs it's, to take It's shit. us two, and then the rest of It's going to be like Deadpool 2. Where it's you, me, and you. You can be Deadpool. I'll be Domino. And then the other five, they just die on on, on the very first uh, parachute down to the landing. So it's just going to be us two. And then we don't know who the other five are. Hopefully they're superstars. That's what we're hoping for. But if not, you and I will just take down the entire competition by ourselves anyway. That's it for us here in ESPN UP for John Michael Hoefling. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN UP WZAM Ishpaming Marquette.